Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com. If you have your Bible this morning, Grab it open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. I want to continue my series, God's Country, the series and, and just a, a whole series of messages God gave me for the 4th of July. And I love you guys so much, I chose not to preach them all that Sunday. Um, I decided to stretch them out a little bit. I love you that much, but I also really appreciate it when you actually come back. Uh, for the next Sunday, so there is that part of it too, and I know if I preach four hours, I probably won't, won't reach people for Jesus for very long, so I want to share this morning part three of God's country, and this message I've entitled, We Fight. We Fight. Hopefully not with each other, but you'll see where it's going here in just a moment. Uh, a question for you, how many of you have ever had the experience of being caught in traffic, a traffic jam? Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, one of the most... Um, fun moments in my life was Ruthie and I, and I believe Austin was still living at home. We were on our way back from Branson, Missouri, vacation one year, and somewhere in Illinois on I-70, we got stuck because of an accident ahead, and it was one of those I-70 backups that goes on for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. And of course, we didn't hit the backup until we just passed the last exit ramp. So we sat there and we sat there and we sat there forever until we could finally get off and, and, and go around it. Traffic jams are frustrating, aren't they? I mean, my goodness, nobody in their right mind enjoys those. But I want you to imagine with me this morning to be caught in that kind of situation, and, and it's even worse than just the frustration of being caught in traffic. Imagine having someone in the car that you care about that needs to be somewhere, maybe for a health reason, maybe a hospital, a doctor. They need to be somewhere. Imagine the level of frustration that you would feel under those circumstances. And you begin to get, I hope a feel for what I want to preach this morning. Because a lot of us find ourselves, and I, I, I know some of you will relate to this, find ourselves caught in feels like a spiritual traffic jam with people we love and care about. How many of you have family that are not right with Christ, they're not right with God through Jesus, they're, they're away from God, they're running from God, they're angry. How, how many of you have family, friends, people you care about, their lives just seem to be a train wreck, and as much as you want them to get on a path towards God and get things fixed, they just don't seem to be moving. Is that anybody in this place? Then you're experiencing the spiritual traffic jam this morning that I'm talking about. And we need Jesus to get them there. We need help with that. And that's what I want to preach this morning, how to get unstuck when we find ourselves in that place. I want to read this morning as, a, as, a, as an intro, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Now, this is a passage you all could quote to me, I'm sure. Um, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anybody ever hear this before? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has 
come. And that, folks, really is last week's message summed up in a single single verse. I preached last week the power of the Holy Spirit to save us and the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. And if you're here this morning and you're walking in a relationship, a living relationship with God through Jesus, then you have been saved by the power of God and he has sanctified you and is in the process of continuing to sanctify you by the power of God. What does that mean? It means this. It means that you have this promise. We call it our blessed hope. You have this guarantee that one of these days when you pass from this life into eternity, you're going to pass from this life into the presence of God. That's a big deal. It, it, it means, what it means is that you are no longer who you used, to, you used to be. Your sins are forgiven. You've been reconciled to God. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? I, I think this week, maybe above all other weeks, many other weeks, we ought to have a deep appreciation for the importance of salvation. I think this church in the last year has been hit over and over and over again with how fragile life really is. The number of people that have been diagnosed with cancer and been dealing with cancer and dealing with sickness and dealing with disease, we come to realize how fragile this life is. And there, and I forgot to pray for Jer's family. He shared with me this morning his 98-year-old great-grandmother passed away. And we want to keep them in our prayers this week, too, as they lay her to rest. Um, we don't have a guarantee to make it to 98. Salvation, my friends, if, you, if you're saved and born again, that's no small thing. That's no small thing. And if on top of that, God has been so good to you and you've been so hungry for God that you've allowed him to step into your life and sanctify you and help clean up all the garbage and the junk and the smelly, stinky stuff that hangs on from our past, then you're even doubly blessed, right? That's no small thing. Salvation and sanctification through the power of the Holy Spirit are no small thing. But I want you to see something this morning, and what I really felt like God wanted me to teach you and preach to you this morning is the context of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we preach that, and many times we pull it out of the context that it was placed in, and we missed so much of the importance and the significance and the depth of that. Now, it's true that we're changed. We're saved. We're sanctified. We're born again. God's working on us, and he's changing us. And I, I hope something I preached last week sticks with you, stuck with you, is working in you still. But I I want you to see this morning that if we'll put it back in the context that it was given, it guides us and directs us on a little deeper place. It takes us into what's our purpose. Anybody here ever wonder what your purpose is? I have. Some days every day I do. God, what in the world? And our purpose for being saved and sanctified is to move people who are stuck in a spiritual traffic jam to Jesus. If you're saved this morning, if you're born again this morning, if God is working in you and sanctifying you and, and setting you free and delivering you, then he's not just doing it just so you can walk around happy and smiling, although I pray to God you do walk around happy and smiling, and you ought to walk around happy and smiling. But listen to me, if God has worked a miracle in your life, and if you're born again, it's a miracle. If God has worked a miracle in your life, and he worked the miracle in your life for a purpose, and that purpose is to help other people find that same miracle. Let me show this to you. If you're in 2 Corinthians there, look, look, look at how often this idea comes out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 11 together. Look, look how God shows us our purpose. He says in verse 11, 
Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. God this morning, if he saved you and he sanctified you, then he has called you and he has given you a purpose in that life, in this life, and that, that purpose is to persuade other people. But yet they seem to be stuck in that traffic jam. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. He says this, For the love of Christ controls me. When I gave my life to Jesus, when he forgave my sins, when he set me free, I no longer became my boss. I was no longer my boss. Jesus became the one who controls me. He goes on and says, Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised purpose you don't live for yourself and every day I get up I want to live for myself I want to do the things that brings me joy brings me pleasure right is there any am I the only one am I, I am surely I'm pastoring a church of people right and, and, and it is a thing that the Holy Spirit's got to work inside of us that says you no longer live for yourself you live for Jesus. Purpose, when he saved you and sanctified you, he did it for a purpose. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you understand that this morning? When God saved you, he gave to you a ministry. That ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Your neighbor, the guy that's an annoyance, that's an irritant, that's foul-mouthed, that, that sits on the front porch and drinks his beer, Right? Your neighbor, your neighbor, God has called you to reconcile him to God. Your, your children, your son, your daughter, your parents, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, the jerk that you work with, that's your boss. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Ruthie, that doesn't apply to you. Your boss is not a jerk. He's a holy man of flesh and blood. you got a ministry, and it's a ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, he goes on and says, That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And, and, and get this, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. There are some things in this life I don't understand. One of them is, why in the world, God, did you call me to be a preacher? I don't like being in front of people. Why did you call me to be a pastor? I love you guys, but most people I don't even like that much. I don't want to be around them. I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> I know that's like, and you're thinking, well, then why, why did God call you to be a pastor? And why are you my pastor? No, no, I, understand what I'm saying this morning. I, I love you. I love people, but I'm very comfortable sitting with just me and, yeah, just me. I like other people around me, just not like right there. And I, and I really do. I like you guys, and I, and I love you guys. I know I really do. But I'm, God made me so introverted, it's ridiculous. Put me in a cave, give me a book, and let Ruthie come in every now and then and say hi and give me a kiss, and I'm good, man. I, I, I could live there till Jesus comes and be so happy. 
God, why did, you, why did you call me to preach and why did you call me to be a pastor? Because God's ways are above our ways because it's the weak and the naive thing in, in the world that God uses to bring him glory because anything I ever managed to accomplish it for God, anything that I ever managed to pull off, I, I can't say it was me and my charisma and my ability and, and, my, and my natural giftings. It was God and only God. But here's the other piece of this that I don't understand. God, why did you call people to make the appeal to others, to lost people for your son. Why did he call you? Why did he call people to reconcile, to bring others into reconciliation with God? You understand what I'm saying this morning? Why didn't he use angels? Why didn't he just come and do it personally? Why did he choose to take those of us that are fragile, broken, being healed, being sanctified human beings and say, it is your ministry and your calling and your purpose and the reason I saved you and sanctified you was to reconcile other people to me, was to be my ambassador. It was to, to be the one that took the message that I love people to those people. Why, why? Why? I don't know the answer to why. I just know that God's word says he did. He's called us to be the ones that get others unstuck from that spiritual traffic jam we find them in. I hope this morning, I pray this morning, God, please let it burn as a passion in us to feel a responsibility to lead others to be reconciled to God. Now, I suspect this morning, if we'll be honest with, with, with each other, that there's probably somebody in your life that you're close to, a family member, somebody whose life's a train wreck, somebody that it breaks your heart and keeps you up at night, that you, you can feel a real pull towards them. And, and maybe that's the place you start. But I got to believe that God has called us to be like Jesus. And I got to believe that when Jesus looked at the world, he looked at the world, all of the world, all of the lost world, all of the, the jerks and the problems and the irritants and the aggravating people. He looked at all of them and he felt the same way about them. You feel about that person in your life that your heart's broken over. And I got to believe God wants us all to come to be like him and be brokenhearted for every lost person, regardless of what their background is or how they treat me today. Let me quote, let me quote this morning that great theologian, Spider-Man. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? With great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, you guys didn't know this, and I don't even think Spider-Man knows this, but Spider-Man got that from Jesus. So let me quote Jesus this morning out of Luke chapter, uh, chapter 12. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. In other words, if God has given me salvation, he's going to expect a lot out of me. If God has chosen to sanctify me, he's going to expect a lot out of me. And that which he has called us to is that ministry of reconciliation. Too often, though, our attempts to be God's ambassador ends up feeling like we're caught in a traffic jam that I, I was talking about, moving nowhere, going nowhere, frustrated, and it's not meant to be so. Anybody here pray? You, you got somebody in your family you pray for? Let, let me see your hands. You got somebody in your family you pray for regularly? You've been praying for them for a while, and you don't get it because they don't seem to get it? And you're frustrated? I've been frustrated. Let me share a few things with you about this ministry of reconciliation. If we go back to the previous chapter before Paul got into this, this passage about, about why we've been set free and our purpose, he, he, he gives us some things about this ministry of reconciliation. In chapter 4, verse 1, let me just share a few passages with you. Therefore, verse 1, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, 
we do not lose heart. In other words, we're not meant to be so frustrated we just quit. We do not lose heart. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, I'm not going to allow circumstances or the devil to frustrate me to where I feel like I've got to manipulate them or I've got to trick them into coming and and making a choice to live their life my way. I'm going to continue to proclaim the truth of the word of God. Uh, can, Can I just... Let me just go here for a second. We've got a lot of churches and a lot of pastors right now that are taking the word of God and they're twisting it. And they're justifying a lot of immorality and they're justifying a lot of sin and they're justifying a lot of, of, of lifestyle choices this country's making right now. Ruthie and I watch a, 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 a TV series here lately. It's been our latest series we've been watching about about seals not the ones with the scaly skin and the big nose but navy seals and there's a new season coming out I told her last night half joking half broken hearted I said I wonder which one of those navy seals is going to come out of the closet they're gay in this new season and she laughed she said no she's so optimistic (laughs) I don't know This is the world we live in. If you believed everything you saw on the television set, you'd be convinced 40% of America is either gay, transgender, part of that whole LGBTQ. If you you just based it off of TV, shows, commercials, 40% of America is gay. Can I tell you this morning that's not true? That's not true. And we've got pastors standing in the pulpit proclaiming that it's okay and twisting the word of God, hoping to be able to reconcile people through a lie. Through a lie. Paul says, I'm not going to do that. He says, we refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but we're going to be open about the statements of truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And then he goes on and says maybe the most important thing for this morning's message in verse 3. And this is for you. Each one of you that say, I feel frustrated. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbeliever. In their case, the God of this world, Satan and his cohorts, has stuck them in a spiritual traffic jam that they cannot get out of on their own. They can't see the truth of the gospel. They can't see that God loves them. They can't see that Jesus died for them. They can't see that they're sinners that need saved just like we are, were and are. They can't see because the God, small G-O-D of this world has blinded them. Do you know why that person that you've been praying for has not come to know Christ? It's because the God, Satan, of this world has blinded them. Right? Now, can I tell you something this morning that you already know? We are not under the control of Satan. We are not under the authority of Satan. We are not under the power of Satan. We don't have to bow down to Satan. We don't have to surrender to Satan. And we're not going to be defeated by Satan. 
Can, can I tell you something this morning that you already know? We have the authority in the name of Jesus to command Satan. We have the authority to rebuke Satan. We have authority to control the attacks that he brings against our loved ones and our family and our neighbors and our country. We have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit and through prayer to take authority over the darkness that he has used to blind those that we care about. And open their eyes to where, if nothing else, they will be set free from the blindness. They'll be set free from the traffic jam, that spiritual traffic jam that I'm talking about this morning. And at least they will have the choice from the own conscience of their own heart to be convicted and make a decision, I will follow God or I will not follow God. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now we rightfully, we rightfully and scripturally feel a responsibility to lead others to be reconciled to God, but also feel a great deal of frustration. You guys, I, I can see you get that, but I want you to know this morning, you're not called to a ministry of frustration, you're called to a ministry of victory. Right? You're, you're not, God has not saved you and sanctified you to call you to a ministry of frustration. He's called you to a ministry of victory. But here's the thing, do you know what it takes to win a victory? Victory itself implies there's a battle. Victory itself, the fact that we're called to a ministry of victory and not frustration says that we're called to a battle this morning. We're called to clear the road. When I was dating Ruthie, so this is a couple of years ago, and I was a teenager, so this is more than a couple years ago. Uh, and one, one evening, I, she still lived at home, obviously. We were, we were dating, might have been engaged. I'm not sure exactly what the timeline was. But I know I went to her mom and dad's house, as I did every evening, and, and got there that evening. It was in the winter months. She's looking at me funny, thinking, what are you going to tell? And it happened to be one of those snowstorm moments that Indiana gets every now and then. And if you guys remember the blizzard of 78, 77, 78, that I, it... It was just like that. It was much later. It was, it was in the, the mid-late 80s. But it was that level of blizzard. It just didn't cover the whole state. It just covered, like, her house, it felt like, our, our local town. And, and I, as, the, as the evening went forward, I, I came to realize that it's snowing really hard, and I'm probably not going to make it home. And I got every teenage boy's dream. I got in a situation where I had to spend the night at my wife's, my girlfriend's house. Every, boy, every teenage boy's dream. Now, to keep the dream in perspective, her dad was there, her mom was there, and he had a shotgun. So I spent the night and the entire night and the whole night and all of the night sound asleep on the couch. And she spent it somewhere at the other end of the trailer, the house, right? Okay? But here's the deal. Here's why I'm telling you this story this morning. It's because the next morning I got up and I looked out of the window, and it wasn't a traffic jam. It was a snowstorm. And I looked out, and her dad drove an S10 pickup truck at that time. And the only thing, literally the only thing I could see in, uh, of that S10 pickup truck was about that much of the aerial, the, the, the antenna, that stuck up above the top of the snow. That's the amount of snow we had gotten overnight. It was, it was the, uh, apart from that earlier blizzard that covered the entire state in the, in the late 70s, it's the worst blizzard I've ever been in. And we tried to get out. We shoveled out to the, the but there was just no way. It was just, a, it was literally a wall of snow. And I stayed there for a number of days until we were, we were, they lived out in the country. It was a country road. I stayed there for a number of days until they brought in the heavy equipment, literally brought in a, a, big tractors with scoops on them. And they would scoop a bit of snow and dump it off to the side and scoop a bit of snow and dump it off to the side and open up a single lane. That's how bad it was. 
And here's my point this morning, whether you're clearing a traffic jam, whether you're clearing a, a, a blizzard, or whether you're clearing the attacks of the enemy against your family, sometimes you've got to bring in the heavy equipment. And you, my friend, this morning under the power of the Holy Spirit, are that heavy equipment. And if you've got family that is not walking with Jesus, you've got family that is refusing to let him heal them and deliver them, then I'm telling you this morning it's because Satan has blinded their eyes and they're stuck and you are under the power of the Holy Spirit, that heavy equipment. Paul lays it out, still in 2 Corinthians. If we jump down to chapter 10, he says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Do you get that? Your weapons this morning are the heavy equipment. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. You have got divine, God-given, God-ordained power to destroy those strongholds in the lives of your, your, your family, your kids, your, your relations, your neighbors, your spouses, your parents. You have got divine power. You, my friend, under the power of the Holy Spirit, are that heavy equipment. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What am I talking about this morning? I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you say, Pastor Barry, no, that scripture goes on and says, and we'll be witnesses to the uttermost edges of the earth. Exactly, yes, that's what I'm saying this morning. We become witnesses under the power of the Holy Spirit because all of a sudden when we step outside of our comfort zone and our circle and, and, and we step out into the world and tell them about the reconciliation that Jesus offers, reconciliation to God, we first pray in the authority of the Holy Spirit, and we tear down those strongholds so when we go and tell them about Jesus, they're open to hear about Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That's the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Paul goes on in Ephesians 6, he puts it this way. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. There's the heavy equipment. With all prayer and supplication, in Romans 8, 26 and 27, he puts it this way. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. With groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying this. God didn't save you just to save you. God saved you and gave you a ministry, a purpose. And he didn't just give you a ministry to see you frustrated. Frustrated because people you care about won't surrender their lives to Jesus. He gave you the, the heavy equipment, the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning, let me encourage you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Seek that. Pray for that. But, but, but let me go a little further than that, what, I, what I, I talked about last week. Quit worrying about praying, God, give me tongues, and start praying, God, give me more of your presence and more of you, and the tongues will come. Right? The tongues will come. Pray, God, I'm hungry for you. God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you. God, I want to be closer to you. God, fill me up with your presence. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Let me walk in your spirit. Let me experience your spirit every day. And, and, and the tongues will come. So don't stop, stop praying for tongues and start praying for more of God in your life. And you will begin to operate that heavy equipment that we're talking about this morning. And how does that work? It, it works like this. All of a sudden, when you get on your knees in the morning and you pray for that person in your life, you're no longer praying in your power. You're praying in the power of the Spirit of God. 
when you rebuke darkness from their life, it's no longer you rebuking darkness. It's the power of God rebuking, rebuking dark, darkness. It's that, divine, it's that divine power. When you get to the place, and maybe you've been here. I know you have. I know some of you have. You get to the place you just don't know how to pray anymore. You ever been there? I have. When you get to that moment where you just don't even know how to pray anymore, here's where the tongues, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues really does come in. Those of you that are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to, and, 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 and that's what Paul was saying in Romans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And God, he who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And what I'm telling you this morning is God wants to use you to free people. You are the heavy equipment under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it, I'm done. Did that sink in? Cheryl, come for just a minute, would you? I'm done, but God isn't. I don't know what time it is. We got two minutes plus. Then we're going to be in overtime. Can we go into overtime for a minute? There two or three or four this morning. Here's what I want to do. Would you stand with me? Listen to me. If you all walk out of here this morning and say, Pastor Bray, that was a good sermon, I would say thank you. But if that's all that happens, then this has been an epic fail. What I want to have happen this morning is you walk out of here feeling an unction, a conviction, a push from God to say, wow, I'm going to seek more of God. I want that empowerment. And I'm going to begin to pray over my loved ones, my kids, my grandkids, my daughters, my son, my, my husband, my neighbor. I'm going to begin to pray over them. I'm going to, get, going to begin to pray against that spiritual darkness and that blindness. I'm going to begin to believe God to set them free. I'm going to begin to believe God to break the chains. I'm going to begin to believe God to do what I can't do. I'm going to begin to move that stuff that's got a mired in the clay. I'm going to be the heavy equipment God has called me to be. I'm going to work in the power of the Spirit of God and I'm going to believe God in faith for victory and deliverance and salvation. Amen? That will make this sermon a success. Not as a good sermon. That's what God's calling us to. This sermon's called God, uh, God's Country, and it's this, it's because Americans have always fought for one another. Always fought for one another. Well, we fight with one another all the time, but we've always fought for one another. And I believe what God's calling us to as a church this morning is to fight on our knees. Prayer meetings, revivals, crying out for the lost. The battle is no less vital today because it's spiritual. We fight, but we fight the right enemy. We fight the right enemy. We fight often. We fight always. We fight with the weapons God's given us. We fight when we can see the victory, and we fight when we feel stuck. But we fight, and we never stop fighting because this still is God's country. We fight. We fight in the power of the Spirit of God. We fight for our friends, we fight for our family, we fight for our kids, we fight for our country, and we fight in divine power. This is what I'm going to do this morning. We've got a little bit of time. I know it's 9, 10, 30, and if you've got to go, you've got to go, but we'll have people come in here shortly, but I want us to take five minutes, ten minutes, a few minutes, whatever, whatever God you feel led, and come to this altar and spend a few minutes with God, and that person, those people you've been praying for, will you pray for them? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence and speaking tongue in tongues, pray over them in tongues.
pray over them in that prayer language that God gives you. If you're not, that's okay. Pray, God, fill me up. Give me more of your power and then pray for them anyway. Pray for them in English. It counts. It matters. The fuller of God you get, the more power you'll pray in. Will you do that this morning? Let's take just a few moments. If you want to come, the altars are open. If you need to sit, if you're not able to kneel, that's fine. Wherever you're at, just take a few moments with the Lord this morning and let's seek his face.
did it last week. You said, Pastor Barry, we did this last week. I just felt God say, do it again. If you would like to be anointed with oil this morning, prayed over. Pray God will fill you up with the Spirit of God and you, you will have a growing empowerment of divine power to pray against darkness. I want you to come and stand right here in the middle and we're going to anoint you with oil again. And we're going to believe God and you say, Pastor, are you going to do this every week? I don't know. I'm going to do it until God is telling me to do it or every week God tells me to do it, we're going to do it. If you want to be anointed with oil and want God to do that in your life, just come and stand right here in the center. We're going to pray over you this morning. Spirit of God already, that's all right. You can come and be prayed for. I'm always praying, God, fill me up greater than I've ever been. sanctified us, you are sanctifying us, and you've called us for a purpose. God, we're ambassadors. Lord, you've called us for a purpose, and my prayer this morning as we leave this place is, God, stir within us a brokenness and a passion to fulfill our purpose. My prayer this morning is, God, fill us fuller than we've ever been before, the spirit of the living God, Lord, to be empowered to accomplish that purpose. I pray, God, today that you will use us to reach those that are stuck spiritually, that are caught in the darkness and the lives of the enemy, to push against those things in the name of Jesus, to take authority over them in the name of Jesus, to rebuke them in the name of Jesus, and to see souls come to know you. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name today for your glory. Bless your people. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. 
If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.